journey we're on and all of the little things that happen on the way to our goals that really make the difference. We're going to continue with the pursuit. Welcome, welcome to another episode of Pursuing a Process. Oh, Todd, it is good to have you back stateside. Welcome back. Where were you, Thanks, my brother? Friend? I I appreciate that, man. It's good to be back. It's good to be back stateside in the good old U.S. of A. And people are wondering where where were you? <laughs> uh, I was in Iceland. I was in Iceland for a week. Uh, had an amazing time over there, and uh, it was it was an experience of a lifetime. And did you get to see those beautiful northern lights everyone talks about. I did. I did. And, and I thought we were going to get shut out because the weather over there was awful. OK, so they don't call it Niceland. They call it Iceland. So everyone knows. And it is uh, it, it was an experience, man. It was the weather was as crazy as I've ever seen it. But the scene, the scenery was even better than that. And so we thought we were going to get shut out the last night we were there. Uh, we we're at a hotel. Owner of the hotel comes running in, says, hey, the lights are out. So we go out there and sure enough, the northern lights are in, on full display. So it was a great way to end the trip. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that back to a positive because at first I thought you were going for the pity feel of, oh, poor me over in Iceland. And that just wasn't going to fly. No, so. there, there was nothing to nothing to uh, to pity at all. Uh, I got to see glaciers, hike a volcano, uh, waterfalls. Um, we got to oh. snorkel between tectonic plates. I mean, what else is there to, to, you know, to see in the world? It was amazing. So good. So good. Well, I know you could go on about this for a while, but we're going to cut you off. Otherwise, you're going to overrun the Wait podcast. a minute. I thought we were going to talk for like a half an hour. Hold up. Hold up. We can chop that one out. We're going to cut it down your piece. A little less airtime for you next time. <laughs> <laughs> but no, the reason why we are here is to pursue the process, to bring on interesting guests and keep digging into their stories, have a little fun, talk about adversity and journeys along the path. So I'm happy to introduce and honored to have with us Big Smooth himself, the guy who made me look good back in high school basketball, because all I do is throw it his way, and he made it happen. Welcome on, and thank you for being our guest, Sam Hauser. How we doing, guys? Appreciate you having me. Yeah, Sam, I love the you. intro, Johnny. I knew you had something cooking. I knew it. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. We shoot from the hip here. <laughs> <laughs> love it. So a little bit of background on Sam for listeners who don't know. Sam is now based out in Boston area, and he is on a two-way contract with the Boston Celtics. And when you throw it all the way back, that's a little Tarantino start to the end here. But from the get-go, we actually had a little bit of growing up experience. His mom was actually an athletic director. His dad was in the system. His brother and I knew each other growing up. We played ball together growing up a little bit. So happy to have Sam on here, and thank you for joining. Yeah, I'm excited to pursue the process. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Thanks for bringing that in. Makes me excited just hearing it. (laughs) All right. So I know it has been a wild ride. We can start a lot of places, but feeling just emotions right now, when you think about the ride that you have been on, give me one word that describes where you're at right now and how this ride has been for you. I think overall, if I had to put one word on it, it's surreal. Um, I'm still not where I want to be yet, quite yet, but I've made it to the stage that I've been dreaming of as, you know, as a little kid. So I'm glad that I'm here, but I'm also not satisfied. You know, you know, I went undrafted, um, got a two-way offer, luckily, and took it. But I want to be a guy who sustains in the league for, you know, as long as I can play, as long as my body allows me to. So 
Um, but right now it's pretty surreal being around guys like Jason Tatum, Deion Brown, you know, superstars in the league. And yeah, no, it's, it's been good so far. Yeah. So, so talk a little bit about um, growing up, obviously basketball has been a huge part of your life for a long time and sports in general. How, how did you, when did you, when did you know you had an opportunity to potentially play in the NBA? A lot of kids dream about, I dreamed about being a major league baseball player, never got there. You are in the NBA. How, how did like tell us about that that process and how did you how did you ever come to know you were going to be in the NBA? Yeah, I mean, just from growing up watching the NBA, it was always a dream. Going through high school, I started to get some college interests and offers, um, and then I really, you know, I didn't really think I was good enough until this past year, and to where I really kind of thought where I proved myself enough to show that I can be a player in this league and and. Um, and now I've kind of made it, I guess. Two-way is a two-way, but um, it's a lot more than a lot of others can say. So, But, yeah, I would say I didn't really quite know until this past year. And, and even then, there's a lot of question marks. So, But I'm just excited I'm here. I'm going to take full advantage of this opportunity. I love how you talk about you're not where you want to get yet because so many people in your shoes would think, oh, my gosh, like he's he's made it. Like What a great position to be in. But – I love that you have a long-term view on it. You're young. You have a lot more you want to accomplish. But when you think about this process so far, how much would you attribute to hard work as opposed to just pure natural talent? <laughs> In my situation, the only natural thing I had was my shooting touch. <laughs> Everything <laughs> else has been a lot of hard work and, you know, a lot of hours in the gym. Me, my brother, my dad, my sister, and my mom, even too. Um, you know, just from being a little kid, me and Joey would always go out in the, in the driveway, shoot hoops together, play one-on-one, and, I think that's just where we grew a love for the game and it just continued through high school, you know, winning a couple of state titles and um, have a lot of success. You know, luckily we had Johnny Barnes um, to, to kind of groom and blossom me and Trev for the future. Um, <laughs> Don't let anyone fool you here. Cause they won the state titles after I left. Thank you very much. So <laughs> that's why I said groom. That's why I said groom. That's right. You pay, you paved the way Johnny. And it was your full court press. I think that really did it. I think it was the way you picked up full court. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a kind way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, it's it's not always been easy, you know, getting up and going to the gym, you know, five, six days a week is, <laughs> is not always something you want to do. But in order to get to this stage where I'm at, I had to. And given uh, my athletic abilities, um, trying to find other ways to where I could be elite, you know, and, and a lot of that had to do with my IQ, my shooting, my smarts, rather than my athleticism and ability to make highlight plays. So, um, you know, a lot of film study, a lot of hours in the gym perfecting, you know, my craft. And it's gotten me here, and I hope it can, can continue to get me to where I want to be. And you touched on one piece there that I've heard throughout your career, back in high school to watching you play in college. People have always said he's has one of the highest basketball IQs in the game. So you think about that continuous learning and studying, mastering your craft. How do you think toward that, of getting better from more of the mental side and sharpening your mental game? Yeah, I think it's a huge part. And being on this stage, you know, you have a game, you know, back-to-back nights, one day in between. So you're playing, say you're trying to play in the Trailblazers one night, the next day you're playing the Lakers. You really got to lock in on the film study because you don't really – you don't really have a legit practice to kind of hone in on a team always on these back-to-backs. And that's why knowing your personnel, knowing, knowing like tendencies and all that is big time and – I think my last three years in college, I kind of got a grip of that and watched more film, kind of honed in on the other other team's strengths and weaknesses. And I think it's helped me 
um, in that side of the game. So I'm going to try to continue that. And obviously I think it's different here at this level. Um, I think you, you even have to know your personnel more because in the NBA, it's a lot of isolation nowadays. So you're kind of you're putting on an island. So you just got to do your best to play towards the tendencies and hopefully impact the game that way. Hey, Sam, you talked about, you know, the, the grind that you've had to go through at times and the hard work and the commitment and dedication it's taken to become a, you know, an NBA basketball player. Were there ever times where you said, you know, this might not be worth it. It might just be too much. Like the grind is just uh, maybe it's it's just too much for me. Yeah, I think honestly, I think any basketball player could say that there was a moment in their journey where they said, man, I just don't want to go into the gym. And I've had those moments, you know, college workouts are not easy getting up at 6 a.m., doing conditioning, then lifting and then having to practice like that's not and then having class right after that. It's not always fun. It's not always easy. But I think what kept me going is just the love for the game and knowing that everything we're doing is, is going to help in the long run. And if I can train my mind to mentally prepare for what's going to happen the next day and, or the next rep and just kind of find the positive in it. It's going to get me through it and it's going to help me. So that's kind of a little, I guess, helpful tip that I've done is just some positive self-talk of like, damn, I don't want to go to conditioning, but <laughs> it's going to help me because when we're in the last two minutes of a game, we might be in better shape than the other team to pull out a victory. So little things like that help me get through and um, hopefully can continue. I think everyone hears self-talk and of course we have to be nice to ourselves. Like we're always most critical on ourselves, but it's a lot easier said than done. So outside of just picking yourself up in the moment, any like quiet times or any tactics you've used for yourself, whether it's meditation, journaling, anything to really ground yourself in that right mindset that you want to be in to perform optimally. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think for me, I've talked to some guys who have been in my shoes that I'm in right now, like Duncan Robinson, um, yeah. I've spoken to Joe Harris just because Joe Harris had a different path, but he's kind of like a similar, I guess, player build and stuff like that. So, you know, just talking to those guys and getting a feel for – because it's an 82-game season now. It's not college anymore where you just play 30. And just picking their brain on what they do to keep themselves going every day. How do they pick themselves up? Um, say they're in a shooting slump. What What keeps them going? Stuff like that. And they've talked about meditation. Um, but I think just talking to people like that, getting different perspectives kind of helps me. Uh, but I do, you know, in my alone time, I wouldn't call it meditation, but it's always good to have a long time. Just kind of gather your thoughts, talk to yourself and kind of just find the positive and whatever's going on in your life. So you, you talked a little bit about, you know, your journey to the NBA. And I think it's pretty well known by most sports fans, especially here in Wisconsin, <laughs> the journey that you've gone through. Uh, from high school all the way to, to now. Um, first of all, I, I'd love to know how, what it was like for you and Joey to play college basketball together. I mean, you obviously had a tremendous high school career, won state titles. Um, you know, I just would, would love to get your perspective on that year you had together at Marquette and, and what that meant to you and what it meant to Joey to be able to play college basketball together. Yeah, no, it was something really special. Um, something not a lot of – people can say they've done is played a college basketball season with their brother. And yeah. I know my parents loved it. It was a lot of less traveling around. Um, no kidding. But, uh, yeah. But uh, it's, it's, those are the type of memories that you really just want to hold on to forever. Cause it's something so special that it's, you know, you just don't want to forget about it. And 
going our separate ways was hard and it was you know you at times we both wished that we kind of just would have stayed with each other but mm-hmm. um there's also positives for us going out on our own limb and being able to kind of find ourselves individually living out of state for the first time growing up as, as men and um becoming more i guess independent and not so reliant on others so but definitely definitely really special for sure yeah, I'm glad you touched on that because that was another area that I, I think John and I wanted to delve into a little bit was just that decision to leave Marquette and then really just, um, you know, to not to, to not continue on playing together. I'm sure that was incredibly difficult, but as you talked about, a great learning opportunity for you. Can you kind of take us into maybe, um, you know, how, how, did you, uh, how did you navigate your way through that, you and Joey both? And just who did you lean on? How, what were some of the decision-making factors that you had um, cause I, I'd love to hear a little bit more about how that played out for you guys. Yeah. Um, I think we really leaned on each other and our, our family, our parents and our sister, you know, because it's, it's social media nowadays is so prevalent and mm-hmm. we decided to make that decision and, and put it out there on social media just, you know, just to get the word out. But some of the comments we got back were not, is not easy to take a lot of hate, a lot of there's also a lot of like people who kind of understood the situation, but it was rough there for, and we had to finish out our last semester of Marquette for the school year. So we were oh, there. Yeah. For and so being around campus, you know, and being two pretty well-known players um, in the, in the, org, I mean, in the program and, and around the state and it was tough, you know, uh, I had a moment where I was walking down the street and someone wrote on the window and, and said, F you for leaving. Um, so I never felt like I want to get out of somewhere so fast. I think we went home every weekend after that, after that decision, just cause we wanted to get out of there. It wasn't a safe space to us at the moment, but, um, but yeah, we, we I mean, that's where we really lean on each other and our, in our family and our close ones who really knew the situation and knew why the real reasons why we were leaving. And it was just, it was just for a better opportunity for ourselves uh, to showcase ourselves and, for me, it's helped me get to this position. So I wouldn't take it back for anything. Uh, I enjoyed my time at Marquette. Don't get me wrong. But I just think it was the best decision for us at the time. And something I admire is the people you keep close to. You talk about your family. I know you have such a strong support system from sister, brother, mom, dad. Also, even just the people that you hold close from your hometown buddies. Are there tough times, though, when you have to let go of certain relationships because you realize that someone's not as true to you as they thought they were or maybe that you start to develop fame or fortune here and people are trying to leverage you for different ways that just aren't organic, aren't natural. Has that ever been a dilemma in your life now? It hasn't been crazy for me, but there are people who maybe I had talked to more in high school because I was able to see them every day. But some of those people only reach out when good things happen and they don't really reach out when, you know, when you just live a normal daily life, you know, but I, st- we, I still have a group chat with bunch of you know you know all of them johnny bunch of those guys who we you know we keep in touch pretty much daily and it's those those guys that i keep close the other people who you know they reach out here and there for like congrats happy birthday whatever it's like all right you know i appreciate that and you know i know like you're a good person but i'm not going to tell it like let you in on my life and what really is going on and stuff like that do you think that some of the negative negativity and I certainly saw it on social media as well. I can't imagine what you and Joey went through during that time. It had to have been incredibly difficult and you guys handled it 
with the, I think the, the classiest way you possibly could have, by the way. Um, do you think some of that negativity in the state, did that kind of fuel your desire to, to try a new experience outside of Wisconsin? Did that play into it at all? I mean, it, it was, I think part of it. Yeah. Cause it was hard to see like people who were just your biggest fans. Yeah. Only because for what we were doing for their entertainment and their joy. And then boom, one decision that they don't know anything about. And right. it doesn't, it doesn't affect them at all. Then they just turn on you like a blink of an eye. It's like, they hate you now. It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. So how real of a fan are you? And it brought a lot of question marks to us and, it maybe influenced us to go out of state. Um, I just don't think we would have, I don't think like we would have made a different decision though in any other circumstance um, in terms of picking the schools that we did. Um, so, but yeah, no, that was a weird, it was just weird to see people switch up so quick. Mm-hmm. It's, I guess it's the day and day and age we live in now with social media and all that. So it is what it is. Mm. You bring up some dark sides of some people because, they can yeah. flip and everyone's quick to share their opinion too yeah and they hide behind that they hide behind that screen and they would never say it to your face if you if i went up to a person and said what did you say they'd be like oh i'm your biggest fan like all right yeah. <laughs> a little easier yeah. on the f-bombs when you come address them face to face there yeah yeah but exactly. when everyone does want to have a voice when everyone does have some type of voice because of social media you talked about some of the guys you lean on now to develop more of the mindset in the nba but as you go has it been hard to filter out who you should let influence you because everyone wants to have a say or give you advice here and there, but really a lot of it comes down to you and the people you trust and your own mindset. So how do you pick those mentors and seek out people that are, you know, are healthy for you? Yeah, for me, um, throughout this process, it's really just been talking to people who've kind of been there and done that. Um, that's, I mean, like Duncan Robinson, I mean, he was in this very similar situation I am and he's obviously made it work really well for him. He just signed a, big time contract joe harris um he was a second round pick almost was out of the league in the first two years and then he got an opportunity and and snatched it and it's paid off well for him so i think guys like that who have kind of experienced something that i've gone through are easy to talk to because they can give really good input and perspective so it's it's more of like just a I kind of know at this point when I was, if I was younger, I would kind of be like, well, let me just talk to whoever, but now it's, you grow up and you get a better understanding of your situation and circumstances and you can kind of pick and piece and and put conversations where you want them to put them and understand where they're coming from. What was that year like of sitting out Sam and before you officially started playing at, at Virginia? I mean, what, what did you learn about yourself um, what did that, I mean, what benefits did that year off provide to you? And a quick background here, for people who don't know the rule standpoint, when he transferred over to Virginia, there's an eligibility rule in NCAA. We have to sit out a year. So Sam's at a great time in his career, playing well, he's healthy. And then all of a sudden forced to go from a starter on a team to sitting out a full year. So go into yeah. it, Sam. I missed the rule change too. They just changed it. So you get a free one-time transfer. So, ah, yeah. <laughs> yeah you exactly. missed by a year. I missed it by a year, but, uh, anyways, yeah. Um, yeah, that redshirt year was tough. I mean, no one knew me. You're going into a whole new team. Kind of like right now, but uh, you're yeah. going into a whole new team. No one knows who you are. They've heard your name just because, you know, social media. But for me, it was about just getting myself ready to play for next year and, and become a better player. And um, 
but also trying to prove myself and the team, like, I'm here, like, this is going to be my team next year. Like, I want to show that I'm, I can play in the ACC. Um, so I took that personally every day because practices were my game days. I had to treat it like because I couldn't play on game days, which was probably the hardest part about retro is just sitting on the sideline and not being able to influence the game at all. Uh, but throughout the year, I think discipline was huge for me, knowing that I got to just continue to work for this year and it'll – and I can play next year, but so staying on a routine, stretching, eating right. Um, I kind of changed up my eating a little bit just to kind of lean out my body. And I think it paid off. I played well. Um, and I also think I got a different perspective, being able to sit on the sidelines the whole game and watch from a different angle. And I think it helped me to touching back on the IQ and all that, and just get a better sense of a new system, a new coach, where where I can envision myself impacting the team next year. So I think taking that all into account was big for me, and I think it paid off this past year. Do you, do you think you'd be in the NBA if it wasn't for your time at Virginia? I don't know, honestly. Um, I think I was given a great opportunity at Virginia to showcase mm -hmm. myself and showcase my ability to be a good teammate. Because, I, I mean – it was never really about stats for me. Even I mean, Johnny could probably attest to that. I just wanted to play good basketball and win. And the stats and points and all that, rebounds, assists, all come with that, come along with it, because you're asked to do certain things on a team. But honestly, I don't know. I mean, I was in a, a different role at Marquette. Um, things were different. You know, I, I wasn't able to sh maybe showcase what I would have liked to showcase. And it didn't have to do with getting more shots. It didn't have to do with that. And people, that's where people get that whole thing twisted. Mm -hmm. It just, I wasn't able to showcase how much I could impact winning in different ways. So I think Virginia was a big influence on how I've made it here. Think about the self journey that you're continually on. You talk about the new experiences and how hard it is to have to sit out that year, new teammates. How important has it been to be around a diversity of people and continue to meet new people? And how has the teammates and other people that have come in and out of your lives influenced you and in how you're thinking these days? Yeah, I think through basketball, that's the beauty of basketball. You get to meet so many people. Um, you get to learn so many new things, get a different piece of knowledge every day, it seems like. Um, and you just try to soak it all up. And it's kind of like I said earlier, just trying to be a sponge and – take whatever I think is valuable to me and, and learn what other people think and see, because I, I can't think everything. I can't see everything when I'm on the floor, off the floor. So getting different perspective is cool for me. And, and basketball does a great job of doing that because you get to learn something new every single day. It seems like. So, Do you, so we mentioned in the, in the lead up to the pod, you talked about some pre-draft workouts you did, including some in LA. Were there people you met during that process? And you're like, damn, that was impressive, or that's a guy I looked up to, or that's one of my heroes. What were some of the cool moments about that? <laughs> yeah, uh, my agent, um, so when we were out in L.A. doing pre-draft, um, it was me and Franz Wagner from Michigan. It was mm -hmm. me and him. And he got us to FaceTime with Brian Scalabrini, ironically, Boston Celtic legend. Yep. <laughs> um, but being a guy who quite frankly, was white in the NBA, not very athletic, 
knew the game really well and played his role really well. It was really interesting to hear him talk and how he stuck in the league and how he just came to practice and and his approach every day was like I just I just want to play hard and I want to influence winning every day. Um, and that I just do it because I love the game of basketball. It wasn't about money. It wasn't about fame. It was about the love of the game. And hearing that from a guy who really never got consistent minutes in the NBA, like his whole career, he was literally a role player his whole time and sometimes didn't even get in the game. So just hearing that from someone with their type of career was very, very interesting to hear. And it gave really good perspective on how you just had to take every day as its own and just enjoy it and, and, and grow from it. What was it like, though, to not get drafted? Um, I, I, were you expecting to get drafted? What was that process like of having to evaluate your options? You know, we talked a little bit about adversity in the past. Obviously, that uh, I, I'm sure bothered you not to get drafted. Yeah, I mean, I thought, you know, I, I did enough this past year to get drafted. But honestly, when you get to the second round of the draft, it is a free-for-all. Like, yeah. You could be ranked 58th in the mock draft, but there's 30 other guys who could get picked at that spot. Like, it's it's a free for all in the second round. And um, honestly, I, I obviously it's cool. It would be cool to hear your name on TV on ESPN in the draft. <laughs> but um, I knew that there was a chance that I wasn't going to go get drafted, and I came to terms with that pretty early in the process. Like, I don't know what's going to happen, so I don't want to have expectations going into the draft. And I think that helped my mental state. Um, but it, it would have been really cool. And I, I do think um, going undrafted gives me a little more edge anyways to show people maybe, you know what, like I you passed up on me, 29 teams, 30 teams passed up on me, even the Celtics. But, you know, they gave me a chance now, and I'm grateful for that for sure. But um, after the draft uh, happened, I literally got a call. I think as the 60th pick was happening from my agent saying the Celtics uh, offered you a two way. Um, I'll give you, they kind of need to know like in the next 15 minutes, like what do you want to do? So I'll (laughs) call me back in 10 after you talk to your family. (laughs) So I hung up the phone. like, all right, well, I got this offer uh, for a two way. And there was another team that had offered a two way too, but I probably shouldn't, you know, I'm not going to mention that. So I had two options and literally had 10 minutes. I had 10 minutes and my agent called me back and he's like, so what's going to happen? I'm like, all right, I'm going to take the two way. So, I mean, it's, <laughs> it, that it fast. Was like, yeah. yeah, it was a crazy process. You didn't get time to process it really. You get 10 minutes, like I said, and then I was out the door two days later to go start training in Boston for a week before summer league. So um, it was like that i was gonna say life-changing life-changing moments aren't giving you much time to really sort that out (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah uh so i decided on that and then it was cool about 20 minutes later brad stevens had called me saying like congrats you know we're excited and um i think it's a great opportunity for myself my agent thought so as well and i and talking to mr stevens he thought that you know it's a good spot for me uh, possibly get some opportunities throughout the year and um yeah and they were gonna and, and i'm the only rookie right now i'm the only two-way so the only rookie. Like, yeah it's yeah, ironic it's a very vet uh team this year they just signed like six new guys 
or through trades and free agents. So I, I really think they're going to take time to, you know, invest in me and hopefully develop me. And I, and I'm, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited for you. I know it's going to be a fun journey ahead here and there's a lot of work ahead. You talk about not being where you are yet and like always wanting to achieve that next thing here. And there's a process, but as you think about all the work you're putting in now, what have you found time to do? That's a little more of the personal side. You can let, let loose, be a little goofy, get your teammates to see a different side of you rather than just on the ball court. Yeah. Well, I mean, I haven't known my teammates for very long, um, but uh, being a rookie comes with rookie duties. So I guess <laughs> that, that shows my personality a little bit and having to do some stuff like that. Like what's the shittiest rookie duty you have? <laughs> the, the, I guess the worst one I've had so far is I've had to sing happy birthday in front of everyone for a guy by myself. <laughs> if you got pipes like your dad, you're just fine. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah how's your singing I, voice? I mean, how much have I consumed before the singing? <laughs> you're one of those liquid courage guys, huh? Yeah. Aren't we all? <laughs> uh, credit to my dad on that one. He can really sing some karaoke. Johnny's can seen he? it for up close and personal. Hey, you get a couple oh. of them. You get him a karaoke machine, it's balls to the wall. I think What's I your... remember a little, like, Grease Lightning renditions at your grad oh. party back in the day. Like, Dave Hauser gets after it. Shout out Dave on that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I say, what, what are his – yeah, what are his, is it is it, uh, is it Grease tunes? Or what's his what's his go-to karaoke? Nah, he is uh, big-time 80s and 90s rock. Some 70s as well. Okay. But big-time into the 80s. Because nice. he likes to let the hair down and really headbang. And for those of you <laughs> yeah. who don't know, Sam's dad is bald. So. He is bald. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, But no, Sam, we greatly appreciate you hopping on here. Tell us a little bit about your story. So you dive into what pursuing the process means to you. Talk about the adversity and just the times you're going through. So we wish you nothing but the best moving forward here. We got a long journey ahead. Keep at it. Keep the mindset right. Keep doing you. And thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. Yeah. I, yeah. Sam, I, I appreciate it as well. Um, it's, it's been a pleasure having you on. I, I love um, your story. It's, it's, uh, it's a testament to your, your own persistence, tenacity, uh, intestinal fortitude and grit that you're at the point you are in your career. So you got a couple of huge fans here and, um, you know, the fanboy in me always wish you had gone to school at Wisconsin. Um, but I, you know, you're, you're, you're one of my favorite non badgers of all time. So appreciate <laughs> you being on. And, uh, you know, I, I think the sky's the limit for you, man. We look forward to seeing great things. I appreciate it. I'm glad I can take the belt for that one. <laughs> uh, no, I appreciate you guys. Yeah, appreciate you having me. This is this is fun. Awesome. Catch you later, Sam. Yeah, Thanks, appreciate Sam. it. See you, man. See Sammy Hauser. Oh, what a guy. Must be the Stevens Point, Wisconsin roots that just bring out the good in people, I tell you. <laughs> Obviously, yep. But I grew up playing with Sam, heard some of his stories, and, man, he's just on a unique journey. I love what he brings to the table. But let me ask you, Todd, what's it all about? Man, what is it all about? I, I have to say, I, I knew the Sam and Joey Hauser story before we got Sam on today. But really what it's all about for me is the to, to be successful in life. There are times where you've got to show the courage and conviction to be unpopular. And you got to do what you think is right. And I think Joey and Sam stood by their convictions of, you know, switching schools in the middle of their college basketball careers and go, getting away from what they, they loved and, and, and enjoyed, which was playing together, but finding a new opportunity to make uh, themselves successful and to make themselves better players, better people. And I really respect the hell out of both of them for doing that. And I, 
Um, I know it wasn't a popular choice here in the state of Wisconsin, and maybe a lot of people didn't know this story before they listened to the podcast today, but I hope, I hope they leave with an appreciation for what Sam and Joey have gone through and just, uh, you know, the courage and conviction that they've shown. And that's all part of the process. And uh, I think it's all part of the journey, man. So um, hats off to Sam. Thanks for a ton for being on the podcast today. Keep listening for uh, future episodes. Can't wait to get more guests on. Uh, Keep pursuing the process yourselves. And we are out. 